Good morning. Good, morning. Oh, good to see everybody here this morning. Sun shining, grass is green, what little there is of it. The which? Say it again. Covered with frost. Covered with frost. Oh, that's all right. It won't last long. It's, it could have been. It's always, it's always nice to have somebody to think, think positive when we come in this morning. Just a few announcements before we uh, get started. Charlie, hush. <laughs> Uh, we, uh, the Historical Society, Lexington Historical Society, will meet tomorrow evening in the Fellowship Hall uh, at 7 o'clock. Masks are optional. If you want to wear one, that's fine. If you don't, that's all right, too. Uh, Jerry Gooden, the sheriff, is uh, going to be the guest speaker. Uh, and then uh, the following Monday, the 4th of April, will be our uh, monthly business meeting at 6 o'clock. And then on the 11th, we'll be hosting the uh, the area men's fellowship meeting. It should have uh, should have happened in March, but uh, we got a little off off kilter as far as our scheduling went. So uh, Austin hosted the March meeting, and uh, we'll be taking the April one, which normally isn't a meeting date. That'll put the uh, put the organization back on schedule for the rest of the year. Uh, we won't be eating. We'll just be meeting at 7.30 that night. And we have a guest speaker today. Charlie Souter is here to tell us about the Gideons, and we'll get into that a little later in the service. Anything else going on that uh, arrived? Got a, uh, got a note from Dave Ritchie saying, please join us in this event, which is a time of prayer. They're titling it "If My People." Uh, that'll be on April the third, next uh, next Sunday at two o'clock. And uh, our part of the county will be meeting at the at the park down here in Lexington, down at the ball field. So uh, keep that in mind, and we will remind you again next week. Pray that it will be warmer than today. It's supposed to be. Mary's uh, Bible class this evening. We'll be talking about the uh, U.S. debt, debt, D-E-B-T, debt, and uh, also about, uh, she'll be teaching on what Daniel had to say about the end times. The question of the day is, are we there yet? Praise the Lord anyway. Attitude check. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's uh, let's continue to praise the Lord this morning. Yes, by asking about birthdays. Thank you, John. Uh, it's a strange morning today. Anybody have a birthday this week? Miss Mary? Hmm? Kayleen? Okay, Freddie, you didn't tell us that. Yeah, it's all right. Anybody else? Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you. Anniversaries. Kathy, anybody else? Yeah. 
Okay. Happy anniversary. As we continue our praise, let's turn to uh, hymn number 95. Revive, <clears throat> excuse me, revive us again. Amen. Stand and sing, please. Seventy-one. Take time to be holy.
are so blessed. Lord, if we just sat down and begin to think of all the things that you do for us. Lord, we could be days, weeks, giving you praise <coughs> for all the many things that you provide for us. All the many things that you give us and do for us. Lord, there's so many things that you do that we have no knowledge of because we can't see into the spiritual realm. But Lord, we are grateful for every gift. Lord, we are thankful that you loved us so much that you went to the cross and paid the debt for our sin so that we could spend eternity with you, cleansed of our sins. So Lord, let us worship you today as your children who have been cleansed of their sins, and therefore we rejoice in thee. Lord, bless this time in Jesus' name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Our communion hymn this morning is number 248, Blessed Redeemer. Amen.
Jim Rominger has our meditation this morning. this morning I picked was the the eye of a hurricane it says a hurricane can be one of the most devastating forces of nature some of you may have experienced the extreme high winds and torrential torrential rains that are the most recognizable features of a hurricane Perhaps the strangest part of a hurricane occurs at its very center. What meteorologists refer to as the eye. As the hurricane passes, passes over, the winds blow in one direction. Then, as the eye passes overhead, the winds and the rain stop and the clouds break. If this happens during the day, the sun is visible. If at night, the stars shine overhead. There is absolute quiet and peacefulness inside the eye. Of course, that doesn't last. As the eye passes through, the force of the hurricane returns with one difference. The winds are now blowing from the opposite direction. Storms have often been used as a metaphor for the trials we experience in life. And we don't have to live very long before we encounter them in one form or another. It's true that some people undergo almost unimaginable trials, while others may appear to have a relatively easy life. While we will perhaps never be able to understand why, the reality is that no one is immune from suffering. In some form, it inevitably comes to all of us. The same was true for Jesus. Even as a baby, life started out rough for him, and he was, by any standard you wish to apply, always poor. Jesus' ministry shows us periods during which he was relatively popular, such as the feeding of the 5,000. At the same time, his teaching also seemed to bring him into conflict with the religious leaders. For Jesus, too, there were periods of calm, followed by times of conflict. The Last Supper provides the last time of calm Jesus was to know during his earthly life. And I suspect he recognized that it was like the eye of a hurricane. The violence of the storm would come again very soon, more powerful and destructive than even he had experienced. We see it clearly in Gethsemane. Jesus knows what is about to happen. He can almost see it coming, but there is nothing he can do to avoid it. It's part of what Hebrews 4.15 means 
when the writer tells us that Jesus was tempted just like we are. It doesn't just mean that he had the same kind of temptation he did, of course, but there is more to it than that. Jesus knew, as we do, that life is uncertain. It may be peaceful now, but struggle, trials, perhaps even failure, surely await us at some point, at some time, and in some form. <coughs> Part of the comfort we should take from this is the recognition that Jesus understands because he experienced these struggles just as you and I do. Are you in the calm now? Take a moment and recognize that it is his grace and his blessing that has brought you to this point. Maybe right now you're in the midst of a storm that seems ready to overwhelm you. But you see, he knows what that's like too. Think a moment. Is, is your trial any worse than his? And his promise to you is that eventually this storm, indeed all storms, will pass and we will finally experience the external peace that right now we cannot comprehend or, or begin to understand. He can promise that because he experienced it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we are about to take communion, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We are so blessed that through his example and your love that we can weather any storms we have in life knowing you will help us get through them and that we will be victorious in the end. Let's take a few moments just to think about God's great love for us and the sacrifice that Jesus made upon the cross. When Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room to celebrate the Passover, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it, passed it among them, saying, Take and eat, this is my body broken for you. And likewise, the cup, when they had eaten, he took it and giving thanks, 
passed it to his disciples and said, This is my blood poured out for the remission of sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you. Let's stand for the doxology. still on our feet, let's turn to uh, number 540. Send the light. This is something that you may have heard this, Charlie, too many times. We don't know, but you can never hear it again too many times. Right. Send the light. There's a call.
be seated. Everyone except Charlie. <laughs> oh, it's a real pleasure this morning to, uh, to have such an old friend. Should I emphasize the old? I'm not, not there as old as you are. No, probably not. I can remember just as a little bitty boy sitting, uh, watching the Gideons assemble outside the fourth grade classroom. They'd come in and bring us Bibles, and Charlie was right there with them. We've got Bibles. We haven't got Bibles. That's good. You heard Charlie? I don't think there's anybody here that doesn't know him. Our good friend, my good friend, Charlie Souter. It's certainly good to be here, uh, believe it or not. Of course, I'm just like a bad penny. I just keep coming back as long as I'm invited. Uh, it's been, what was, August the 25th, uh, 2019, the last time I was here. Uh, so time flies when you're having fun and sometimes when you're not having fun. There you go. Since the ladies are already up there and, and they may not want to sit there during uh, the whole time. I'm going to do something a little different this morning than what I've normally done before, but if you bear with me, I think we can get the job done. Uh, I was lucky enough to get Wilma, Mrs. Hollis, to uh, try to teach me the piano several years ago. And believe it or not, I still enjoy uh, hitting the keys. And I do so just about every day. Uh, of course, being an old an old nod head, uh, I like church hymnals, and that's basically about all I play at home. Uh, and 266. If you would turn that in your hymnal, we'll do something that I don't know how often you do it, but I'm gonna gonna ask the men to sing one verse and the first verse you know the men supposed to be leaders you know the household well I'm going to let the men sing the first verse and then the women by themselves will sing the second verse and then we'll join together on the third verse and sing together uh, Cindy is getting close to Easter uh, that's one reason I picked this because you know we're all sinners. And if Jesus Christ hadn't came uh, to earth on that wonderful day, of course, it wasn't this time of year, a little, uh, little later in the year, but he was crucified for our sins, which we're going to celebrate here uh, very shortly in one of these days. And you know, every time, you know, we're all sinners, and, and every time you sin, I want you to think, perhaps of this song because in a sense every time you commit a sin do you know you're putting another nail in a cross Jesus Christ like I say we all sin we're none of us short of sin that's the reason I believe that uh, you need to read your Bible every day Amen. Uh, I've got uh, some uh, 
daily Bible readings. If anybody is interested in having one, I've uh, put together some, and you can uh, read the Bible every day. It's pretty easy, pretty simple. You can read through the whole Bible in one year, believe it or not. You can be a slow reader, and you can read the Bible if you read it every day, if you devote 15 to 20 minutes per day. Uh, it, the way it suggests, you read some of the morning, and then you read some in the evening. Uh, I used to do that, and then I thought, well, no longer than it takes, and I'm somewhat retired, finally, but I still do a little work occasionally, uh, just to keep out of my wife's hair. You know, after, after 57 years, you know, uh, she probably, I like being around her, but she, I don't know if she likes being around me or not. But <laughs> evidently not too much because she's not here with me this morning. She's in another church. But uh, with that being said, uh, now men, don't let me down. Don't let me sing a solo. Uh, Bob and Mitch and you guys uh, right up close here. Uh, let's uh, start the first verse and... Uh, Bob, just act like you're leading the singing from down there if you want, and we'll get through this. We'll get through it. All right. First. Oh, yeah. 
I don't know how many of you have paid attention to that song, and I'm sure you've sang it sometime or other because uh, this is a church that sings old hymns. That's one reason I love coming here. Uh, I, I, I like the praise hymns that they sing at uh, most of the churches now, but uh, uh, for some reason I was brought up, uh, I mean, mom carried me, or dad, somebody carried me to church when I was just a little feller. And uh, that's all I remember when I was a kid. Uh, but the words in this song, if you uh, are fortunate enough to have a book at home, if just occasionally, if you if you just spend time in the song book, even if you don't spend time in the Bible, so many of the gospel hymns that we used to sing and we still sing, you guys still sing here, have so much meaning. Uh, if it doesn't light your wood, the old boy says your wood's wet. Or it doesn't light your fire. If it doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. I'll get it right there, Mitch. There you go. All right. Uh, on with my normal presentation. Uh, the Bible is the infallible Word of God. Amen. There is nothing in there that's not true. Now, you may read it and say, well, now that's not right. But if you go back and look, do a little research, you'll find out that the Bible is completely, wholly, true, 100%. Amen. Now, we were lucky here in Scott County, uh, Gideon Camp. Uh, we uh, have gotten six new Gideons, and uh, I think uh, three or four of those Gideons, their wives are also in the auxiliary. Uh, we were down in number, and we went through a campaign and went around to some churches, and we got people to uh, decide that they would be a Gideon. And so, as I say, we have six new ones. Uh, if you would like to be a Gideon, uh, if you own a business, that makes you qualified. First of all, though, you have to believe that the Bible is the infallible word of God, and it helps if you could get your minister to give you an okay that, hey, this guy's legit, and he believes the Bible, and he wants to be a Gideon, and he'll pass a help, but you'll, you'll be able to help us pass out Bibles to the schools, Without fail, if I want to, I can meet, I'll go to all the schools in Scott District Number 2, and we have on occasion given away uh, 2,000 a year of these little fellers. We're giving, right now we're giving them like this, but there's different, different kinds. But uh, they are a New Testament, and it has Psalms and Proverbs in it. I brought some extras back there this morning. Uh, I was hoping that uh, there'd be some youth here, but I'm we sure. Were huh? We were too. We were too. That's all right. Just don't quit. Keep inviting and and talk to your kids and your grandkids. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have uh, six. I got three kids. Six grandkids. And soon to have three great-grandkids. Wow. 
My oldest daughter uh, has uh, uh, two kids, a boy and a girl, uh, and uh, they've decided to start a family. The oldest is a girl, and she's expecting twin boys. Twin boys. Nathaniel and Gabriel, about April the 6th. Now, they're in Connecticut, so it remains to be seen if Grandma and Grandpa is going to make it there or not. We're we're hoping we'll be able to if this uh, crazy pandemic lets up. And then her brother, which got married before she did, but they've both been married for quite some time now, but uh, both graduated in college. Uh, And anyway, uh, the the boy is... uh, they're, they're expecting, I don't know what day that he's, uh, that his wife is expecting, and I don't even know if it's a boy or a girl, but I think there's only only one, so that makes, so I, I told my granddaughter when when I first found out she was expecting, I says, why? And she said twins, and I said, oh boy, that makes me great, great. And uh, my wife looked at me, are you sure? <laughs> but anyway... It is a joy to be here and to share with you. And like I say, uh, I've got some back there. If you have a child or a grandchild that you think would need some of these, I've been to the Lexington School several times and passed them out, but it's been uh, about three years because of this silly COVID. Uh, we pass out Bibles uh, like this. We put them in nursing homes for people to use. And, of course, I'm sure all of you somewhere along the line have seen these. It's in the uh, motel rooms. Uh, And I'm sorry to report, uh, we've got a job ahead of us. Uh, Just recently, I went to all five motels in Scotchburg. And I don't know if you knew there was five motels in Scotchburg now anyway. and, And, well, if you want to count... Oh, the old Campbell's Motel, you could count that six, but I think mostly of just, just staying there was like renters. Uh, but three of those five motels are operated or managed. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're Hindu. Now, I don't know if you know anything about the Hindu religion, but uh, it leaves a lot to be desired as far as Mitch and I is concerned. And if you don't believe me, just ask Mitch. But anyway, I was, uh, like I say, we go there on a regular basis, and I, I was just there this past within the past month. And since I noticed the religion they were in, and I even asked one, or he volunteered, said, well, I'm Hindu. So I know at least one of them are, but they are pretty sure they are all, the three of the five managers are Hindu. But I was not bashful at all. I gave him one of these, and they both accepted. I said, there's stuff in there you might read, and you might be, I said, I know you're a smart man, because, you know, when a man's smart enough to run a motel, uh, he's no dummy. Just because he's been brought up in a different type setting, not everybody's as lucky as we are in the United States to practice uh, religion. We go to church anywhere we want. But uh, I gave him uh, one of these. They're supposed to have one in each room. But all five motels would not. They said, oh, we've got plenty. 
In fact, one motel says, well, we've got, uh, uh, got extra. Got some that needs to be put in. But I kind of doubt if they were really being truthful to me. But at any rate, I left uh, at the Quality Inn. Uh, the guy had a red spot on his forehead, and he was uh, uh, dark complexion. Not that, you, you know, sometimes you can tell by the color of a man. So you, you can't judge a man. You can't condemn a man, the color of his skin, because we're all made in the image of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. But uh, he said that he had a Bible in each room. And so I said, well, I noticed you don't have any out here in the foyer or in the, in the, uh, in the lobby. So I gave a, there at the Quality Inn, I left two Bibles there in the lobby. And I gave one of these to, uh, to him and, and he said that he would read it. And I pray, I pray that, he, that he does. Uh, we have all kinds of Bibles. Like I say, those are the one we give the youth. This is what we give to, uh, uh, used to give the nurses. I think now we give them a light blue. I don't know if I have a light blue one with me or not. But at any rate, uh, we've got different kinds. And we have uh, camouflage New Testaments that we've given to the military. Uh, when I was in the military, I'd already had mine, but the, there wasn't a Gideon there to any time during the time I was in that gave me a New Testament, but I, like I say, I already had one anyway. Uh, but if you were a school teacher, you qualify. Uh, if you have a college degree and you run a business of any kind or in management control where you have people under you, that would, you'd qualify. If you're a farmer, uh, you qualify. If you're a salesman, a car salesman, where you have, you know, people maybe perhaps under you, you, you qualify to be a Gideon. And, of course, if you sold a czar, if your wife does, she, she can be a, in the auxiliary. And uh, since Mr. Gutenberg came up with the printing press in the 1400s, uh, there has been just a little over 5 billion copies, Bibles, and New Testaments printed. Would you care to guess how many people like you has been responsible for giving to the Gideon organization? Would you believe we have given out since 1908 when these two men started the Gideon organization? They, they came together in 1899, but in 1905 they gave away the first Bible in a motel. We have given away, with you guys' help, Two billion point four. That's almost half of the Bibles that's been given away that's in use in the, you know, in the world. Now, this is the whole world. Uh, we've given away almost half of what's been printed. Wow. So uh, the Gideon organization is not a small organization. We're in uh, about 200 countries. There's a little over 200 countries in the world, and the Gideons are allowed to present the message and to pass out Bibles in approximately 200 different countries. We have 99 different translations that's available. Wow. Uh, I was fortunate enough and went to Poland uh, three different times, and I always took New Testaments with me 
because the manager of the, it was a basketball, it was a camp there at Jalkoszele, Poland, in which Poland's in the news now every day, but because of everything that's going on in Ukraine, they're being flooded with uh, refugees. So, uh, but I've always taken new, uh, new Testaments and given to the kids. The kids there that was in the, or children or youth that was in the basketball camp uh, were boys and girls from the age of 14 to about 21. And uh, uh, I was fortunate to be one of the coaches uh, on one of the teams. And uh, it was so much interesting and, and so awakening that uh, kids that age could speak four and five different languages. Wow. If you're like me, you have sometimes you have difficult speaking the English language. But at least we can understand, I mean, the different uh, types of English that we use in the United States. We can pretty well, even if you're a Kentuckian or a Hoosier, either one, don't make any difference. You can understand your buddy if he's a Kentuckian or if he's from Illinois or where he's from, you can understand him. But uh, these kids, all the countries, they're so, uh, countries are so small. In fact, for instance, the country of Poland is just about the same size uh, uh, area-wise as the state of Ohio. Wow. So Poland is a small country. But, you, of course, Ukraine is larger than that. And it, it just amazes me and the different things you hear on uh, TV, the way that uh, people in Ukraine are uh, so strong-willed and... Uh, able to keep the, the problem that they've got. Uh, I just can't imagine going through that. Uh, of course, I was, I was born during World War II, and of course now they tell you, you know, we don't want to start World War III, but I don't know how you guys feel, but uh, I'd like to see somebody put Mr. Putin out of his misery. Uh, you know, the Bible is very plain back in the Old Testament. If you go through the Old Testament, I mean, God used godly people, they used sinful people to eliminate bad kings, bad rulers. And so I'm not, uh, I'm not a, I mean, I'm not a murderer. I mean, I don't want to be. But uh, sometimes, you know, if everything else fails, you don't have a choice. And I think the Bible is very plain about that. Uh, I'm going to read from Isaiah For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Uh, just, it's just amazing. I mean, I, I've read the, the Bible through every year since I've been a Gideon, not, not bragging, just, I mean, I just felt 
if I was going to be a Gideon, if I was going to share the gospel with people, I had to know just a little bit about what I'm talking about. For instance, in Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Train up a child in the past he should go and he will not depart from it. Uh, as a parent, a grandparent, almost great-grandparent, you just can't, you can't put enough emphasis on knowing what the Bible says. Amen. There's one good thing that has come from, I guess, the pandemic or whatever. Uh, there's more people turning to the Lord right now. And I noticed uh, a lady gave me this when I came in this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm tickled to death you guys are doing something like this. I mean, this just that amazes me uh, that a, a small church like this see it necessary to know about the end times. Of course, as I told her this morning, I said, you know, it doesn't make any difference when Christ comes back. Nobody knows when Christ is going to come back again. But when you draw your last breath, as far as you're concerned, that's it for you. When I draw my last breath, if I'm not right with the Lord, nobody else is going to get me there. You've got, you've got to love the Lord and believe what he says wholeheartedly. Uh, but as I got sidetracked here, the New Testaments that we give away, we have a, a company here in Indiana even that prints these Bibles for us. And they've lowered the cost, believe it or not. We can get that for a dollar twenty cents. Praise the Lord. It used to be about a dollar twenty-five, dollar thirty, dollar thirty-five. But they gave us a price just recently of one dollar and twenty cents. Pretty good for a little book like that, God's Word. Our Bibles are still five dollars that we uh, give in motel rooms. The prison Bibles that we take to the jails are uh, 465 so uh, they're a soft cover so i guess the fact that it's a soft cover instead of this hard cover it's uh, got a cover on it similar to this uh, we had to do that because the prisoners was taking a knife or a sharp instrument anything and they would take uh, the hard cover and make it in a form shape of a pistol and they've been known <laughs> to get out of their jail cell by, by pointing that at, at a guard, wow. thinking that so we had to go with the soft cover. Of course, we give away the New Testaments as well. Mark, if you got uh, that testimony, I'll uh, give you a little break here from me, and we'll uh, watch this testimony, and you'll know maybe one reason why. Uh, I'm a Gideon, and why you know I'd like to see some of you people join the Gideon organization as well. You hear about the thousands, the millions of Bibles that are distributed, the remarkable union of pastors and Gideon businessmen and women that are committed to distributing Bibles, but it all comes down to someone like me. I was raised on the west side of Cleveland, Ohio, 117th Street. My father went to work before the sun came up, and he came home after the sun went down seven days a week. A union card-carrying liberal Democrat, he was an atheist. He never set, set foot in a church, not for a funeral or for a wedding my entire life. 
When I was at 11 years of age, my mother found herself in the arms of another man and left with my sister and my two brothers and my father found himself in the arms of a bottle. That same year, I joined a gang. I was arrested for sealing firearms in the fifth grade, stole my first car before I started the sixth grade and became a ward of the state. At the age of 14, having stabbed a young man, I ended up in Elmira State Reform School and spent my entire high school behind bars. I won't waste your time with it. It's a nightmare no one should live through. I ended up going in the Marine Corps to avoid further time in prison. By the time I was 18, I was in the jungles of Vietnam as a young Marine. And like reform school, it's a waste of time to talk about. It was another hideous experience that left me violent and unhappy and addicted to drugs and alcohol and pornography, violence and anger. I came back to be spit upon and mistreated by a country that was now in revolt against the war that I had just come back from. And I joined the Weathermen and the Black Panthers and the Underground and went to universities like Kent State and others in the anti-war aggravator. I couldn't understand how people like you could sit by with your suits and go to your churches and not know what was going on in the underbelly of society because I had never worked a day in my life. My food was provided by the state and then by the federal government and I was a habitual welfare case. I stole some credit cards from a doctor and went cross country, got arrested at Lake Tahoe, checked into a club. I wasn't even 20 years old, couldn't grow a beard, but I had already been through med school and they figured it out and I had to do four months in El Dorado County Jail. Pretty sharp of them. I turned 21 in that jail and I remember my mother saying when I was 14 that I would be in jail or I'd be dead by the time I was 21. I fulfilled her expectations. I was in California, the land of fruits and nuts, so immediately I got out and I began to look for answers. I went to Stephen's Monday night class, I tried Scientology. If there was a cult, I tried it. One of the things I tried, you fast 24 hours and then drink a gallon of grape juice. Now that'll move you. I tried everything but the Bible or church because of the way I was raised. I left that place and was hitchhiking cross-country, talked to a young girl and dropping out of college and heading with me. We were going to go to the Middle East. We were on our way to Miami to catch a freighter because we knew maybe someplace that had existed for thousands of years instead of America, which was only a couple hundred years old, might have some answers. And we knew there had to be an absolute truth. We couldn't live in a world full of relativism, but crossing out of Alabama into Florida was arrested once again for trespassing. I don't know if it was my shoulder-length hair, the hippie garb, but we found ourselves in one of the nastiest jails I'd ever been in. It was segregated. They separated us Yankees from the Southerners. Well, not wanting to borrow cigarettes off anybody, I would take the butts off the floor at nighttime and roll the tobacco out and make a pile. I would tear pages out of books and roll cigarettes, but Louis L'Amour and Mickey Spillane, they're coarse books and smoke rough. Some of you have done it, huh? I found a book with thin pages. So I was smoking Leviticus. Wow. And I started reading the Gospel of John. It's hard to stand amongst pastors and Christians and say, I lived in America and I was 21 and it was the first time I held a Bible. As I read the Gospel of John, I put my father's face and his fists on the face of God, and I had a hard time believing that God could love me. I did not have a problem with sin. 
I got the sin part. And December 18th at 7 o'clock at night, I bent my head and, and with no understanding of theology, only that I was a sinner and I needed God, I cried out and I said, God, please forgive me for my sins. Help me. The shackles of sin and shame and guilt dropped away. And I wrote a letter to the sheriff that arrested me. Turned out he was a deacon in the church. He came. They dismissed the charges and I was released. And on the way back to where we had been arrested, where we had threw our backpacks full of drugs into the woods running from the police, I told the young girl that I had gotten arrested that we don't need to go to Egypt. I found there's an absolute truth. There's a God and he had a son. And she began to weep. She said, I wasn't sure how to tell you. There was a Bible in my jail cell, and I gave my life to Christ, and I wasn't sure what I was going to tell you when we saw each other in court. <laughs> what could I do? I married her. Deborah, would you stand up? <laughs> Pastors... Someone in a church like yours, who probably never ever introduced anybody to Jesus, paid for a Bible that spent seven years in a hotel before it found its way to that jail cell. And when I gave my life to Christ, he got me. My five children have been raised Christians and all serve God. My nine children will do the same. My brother I led to Christ, and he's a children's pastor. I led my sister to Christ, and I'm working through it. My sister-in-law just came to Christ. It's 38 years we're praying for him. She just gave her life to Christ recently. I want you to know something. When I get to heaven, I'm going to find the person that paid for that Bible, and I'm going to introduce him to all of the people I've led to Christ. I'm an outreach pastor. I don't spend my time picking fleas off a of sheep in the congregation. I'm talking to lost people all the time. My wife wanted me to be a Gideon, Gideon's. But I backslid and became a pastor. <laughs> and Gideon's, it may be a thankless experience at times when you're out there sharing and delivering Bibles and moving around. But I'm going to get to heaven and I'm going to find that Gideon who's long dead, I'm sure. He's sitting up there with Lazarus and Abraham. And when I find him, I'm going to kiss his feet and tell him my family never knew what I knew because Gideon's cared enough to put a Bible in a place where I would run into it in the highways and the byways of America. And it grabbed my soul and hasn't let go. And now I long for an opportunity to stand before Gideons and say, what you do makes a difference. It isn't millions of Bibles, it's millions of people that meet the Savior. Amen. We're transformed and we're all the time finding new ways to say, pastors, this isn't a small ministry, it's life changing. Yes. And Gideons, what you do makes a difference. So me... And my children and my grandchildren, we salute you. Thank you for serving God in such a meaningful ministry. Wow. Well, sound like maybe your wood may not be wet. <laughs> that uh, I, I love a lot of those testimonies. Amen. Uh, it's our job as people, as Christians, that it says in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, 
but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, this is a command for all of us, no matter who you are, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Since we're, they don't have, we don't have any youth here in the church, but I brought some New Testaments and some life books back there. I want to challenge each person here. If you have or know a teenager that knows the Lord or needs to know the Lord, take one of these that's back there and give it to them. And you, if you want to look at it first, that'd be fine. But it's just a teaching tool of how to become a Christian and what you and I both believe what's necessary to have eternal life. These are free if there is a need for people in this community. Mitch can get online and order these as many as a hundred at a time to give away to the youth. They're, they're directed towards teenagers is what these are directed for, to witness in their youth groups or in their uh, school classrooms. And then you guys, you're not going to get off the hook. I've got some of these orange New Testaments back there, and I've got some brown ones back there. Like I say, the orange is what we normally give a youth. If you know someone that needs one, Pick up one. Take it to it. Give them to them. Then, you're not off the hook yet. The brown ones back there are what we call personal workers' testament. Sometime during the week, where you work, or if you're retired, or whatever the case, if you come across, in a restaurant or whatever, you come across someone that you think needs to know about the Lord, give them one of those New Testaments back there. And you never know. All you got to do, you don't, you don't have to explain the salvation to them. Just give them the two testament. If you know the salvation, you can explain it to them. But if you don't, just give them a new testament. That's a seed that you can plant. And that person may have a chance to want to see you when you both get to heaven. Amen. Uh, so what did you think of the video? Awesome. Think it was all right. Now Mitch liked that one that I used to show here, uh, big black guy. That uh, Archer. Yeah, Ron Archer. You got a memory there. Uh, it, it escaped me for just a second, but uh, I remember when you said Archer is Ron. Uh, he he told a a very uh, powerful. Yeah, uh, message, the way he became a Christian, and the things he went through as a child. Though, so I'm going to be in the back. If you want to give to the Gideon organization, that's fine. I'd be glad to take it. Uh, just write if you write a check, write it, make it out to Gideon's International, 
and that will be deposited. If you want to give cash, that's great too. I won't spend it for lunch today, I promise you. I'll, I'll make sure it gets to the bank and we'll buy Bibles. That's the reason that we're able to give away. We've given away over two billion, as I said before, we've given away over two billion Bibles, almost half of what's been printed in the United States, in the, in the world. So with no further ado, uh, I'm going to have a little closing prayer and then I'll be back at the back and uh, accept your money uh, as we leave. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to uh, uh, tell people about you and your son, Jesus Christ, and about the, uh, having life everlasting, a life that has no end. We know, dear Father, it is hard for us to believe because being earthly beings, we know there's a beginning and an end. But we can read in your word that there is no end if we accept you as Lord and Savior. Amen. Forgive us if we've failed you so many times. We pray this thing in your son's precious name. Amen. Not much you can say after a presentation like that, except uh, let me have a couple of those. I think I know where I can do something with them. Our uh, invitation hymn this morning is number 376. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Let's stand and sing.
Uh, we told you last week to bring extra money this morning. Well, this is what it's for. Uh, we're going to take up a uh, special offering for the Gideons. And uh, let's see, Freddie, there's a basket over there with a handle in it. If you would start that out and maybe, uh, Jim, could you catch on the inside track and send them on down? six-man quartet. We're going to practice first. And come back this evening uh, at 5 o'clock for our Bible study. All right. Father God, thank you so much for the privilege we've had to hear these testimonies and uh, the work that the Gideons are doing. We ask you to continue to bless them. Uh, Lord, the number of Bibles that they have given out is uh, impressive, Lord. Yeah. But like the man said, it's not about the number of Bibles, but the souls that have been won through that work. So, Lord, continue that work and help us to continue to be a part of it. Lord, we're all working for one goal, to grow your kingdom. So bless us and help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Singing this evening at five. 